When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin. And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hello. Hello, welcome. Hello. Can you see and hear me? Absolutely. Can you hear us okay? Yes, I can. Perfect. I am just now realizing how not well lit this is. Oh, <laughs> you are perfect. And luckily, we just like to see who we're talking to, but the, the video will not be released anywhere. Ever. All right. Perfect. We have our chicken Great. sign in the background. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I, I'm, I'm mostly asleep. <laughs> I, just, I just drove a, about eight hours from Las Vegas to Tahoe. Oh, my. Oh, well, thank you so much for doing that and then joining us. Yeah. We appreciate that so much. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for, uh, for hanging out with us on TPQ20 today. I'm Chris. And I'm Courtney. Um, and we always like to start things off by saying we know who you are, uh, but our audience may not know you. Uh, so if you were to kind of give your pitch on who you are, um, who are you? That's a great question. <laughs> Right off the back, uh, I am a writer, and I consider myself an artivist, uh, someone who creates uh, and um, advocacy for others. So a lot of my work is meant to do more than just advocate for myself and you know my whims and fancies, but also for uh, the rights of others, including folks who identify as LGBTQIA, um, Black and Latinx folks, disabled folks, and uh, impoverished folks. Yeah. Artivist, I love that. And it's we have not heard that uh, that one before, so well done on pointing a new term. Uh, Artivist and passions um, brings us to our first question, and my heart, and hopefully yours, um, to your passions. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about what some of your passions inside or outside the world of literature are, and maybe? Um, where artivist comes from or was born or is rooted in? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm I'm assuming you guys have nothing but great questions. Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you for assuming that. (laughs) I I love that right away. (laughs) Um, So artivist is not a term that I've coined myself. This is a term that is being used by a lot of folks who work in the realms of creating art as well as doing advocacy at the local level. So um, for several years, I was working with Mano Amiga, which is a nonprofit social justice organization based in San Marcos, Texas. And we were working to change policies um, that would make it less easy for police, specifically the San Marcos police, to arrest people for low-level nonviolent offenses. And so um, my part in that work was not just uh, 
not just telling my own story about my arrest, which was for um, a theft by check, $25 to a local grocery store that bounced, turned into 45 days in a county jail. Um, I told that story, but I also wrote poems. And it turns out that that was one of the big things that we used to help convince one of our city council members to advocate for us on the side of the city council because he loves poems and he happens to be a poet. And so we threw like poetry readings and I went to his open mic and we had conversations about poetry as well as about the the actual policy. Um, And I just kind of, it clicked for me then. I've always tried to advocate in the work that I was writing, but now it was like, you know what, there's more I can do. So um, this past summer, I actually translated two policies um, one was called the Abolition Amendment. It was introduced by Senator Jeff Merkley and uh, Congresswoman Nakima Williams. Um, I translated that policy, which is to actually end the 13th Amendment. Right now, the 13th Amendment still allows for slavery in the U.S. Um, for people who are imprisoned um, to completely abolish it. No more slavery, period. We, we are a free nation. Let's be a free nation. Um, and so I wrote a poem called A New Name for My Love which is, uh, is based off of that legislation. And then I also wrote a poem called um, Take Me to Paradise, which is for the People's Response Act, which was also introduced this summer by Congresswoman Cori Bush and um, Ayanna Presley. And that piece was about um, putting the funding back into communities. Let's stop putting money into jails and prisons and I don't know, build hospitals and make sure that people have resources so they don't have to steal things, right? Let's just make sure they have the basic covered, a roof over their head, food in their stomach. And then maybe we won't have some of these other, you know, crimes that we're seeing. Um, And so the idea that I could translate policy to make it easier for regular everyday folks to understand this really technical language and understand the impact of that policy on our lives. What does it mean if the People's Response, uh, Response Act is, um, you know, is, is enacted? What it means is I get to go to paradise. I get to live in a community that has green streets. I get to have access to healthcare. I get to have access to food. That's paradise where I don't ever have to worry about bills being paid. That is what I would consider paradise. And so um, that's that's my biggest passion right now is translating policy with poetry. Um, but I also really like, I like NFTs. I like music. I like photography a lot. Um, I'm a big fan of TikTok. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're still, we're still, our, our daughter, our 10 year old is a big fan of TikTok. We're still trying to figure out what a TikTok is. Eventually we'll catch up with that one. I understand what it is. I just, with my TVI, it moves so fast. It's very hard for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Different forms are easier. But I love it. I love it. Your version of paradise is my version of paradise. I just, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. I love it. So then uh, turning from that a little bit, not too far though, when it comes to the world of literature, um, who are the authors right now who are with you in this, you know, the artivist movement? Who are those authors that that we should know about who are equally as passionate? Yeah, um, for sure, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Isabel Wilkerson, 
Clinton. Uh, wow, I said Clinton. <laughs> we will, we, oh, will, tell, we will tell Mr. Smith that, that you said Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I know him from the spoken word community. I, I knew him for like Porty Slams. I've known him for a long time. And I'm just, it never fails. Um, so Clint Smith, um, I, I do think that there's that uh, TA Great House. I think that's mm-hmm. their, their name. Yes. Yeah. yeah, is doing some pretty amazing work. I think, um, wow, I really, this is how you know that you know all your authors from Twitter because you can only remember their like tag names. I'm like, <laughs> okay, what is Brown Round Boy's real name? Um, um, well, Twitter, Brown. Is, is that Hugh? Was that Hugh and Wynn? Oh. Oh man! Oh, now we're really gonna be. See now I'm. I'm, I'm still I'm asleep. Ty- my brain is trying to picture it in my head. I can see the ass. Yes. Oh my goodness! I'm, like, yeah. I'm so sleepy. We have um, editing. That's all right. <laughs> um, we'll help. And, and then, yeah. Thank you. Got phone out right now. My brain is not a hundred percent right now. Um, I I have literal amnesia. Oh, I understand. Um, it is, <laughs> we have support systems. Oh man, and here's why we don't know. Oh, uh, Kay Barrett. Thank you, Kay Barrett. Um, uh, doing disabled, great disabled uh, advocacy. I think that there is. Um, I'm trying to. Well, so the thing is, like, I, I think it depends on what you consider advocacy. And for me, talking about it is advocacy. And there's so many people talking. Like there's so many people talking about the issues that are specific to their communities. Um, I can always say my, you know, one of my favorite poets is Natalie Diaz. Um, And Natalie Diaz is just talking about life, but also that's low key advocacy for indigenous folks, right? Um, And the making sure the language stays alive, making sure the recognition of the experiences of people who are indigenous um, just by talking about their life and so I don't know there's a lot (laughs) that is an amazing starter list for people who who are interested in actually talking about the realities of what's going on in today's world uh that's an amazing list of of authors that that people should hear so we'll definitely uh we'll definitely get that list out there so what have you um been working on as far as your writing process like if we dig into kind of the are there superstitions around um your own writing process or rituals is there anything that you are specific to your own process we've had we've had a lot of people lately uh start talking about how um, their notes app uh has been named and uh, they keep different name files inside their notes app. So it's been really, it's been really creative lately. So what is your, uh, what's your process? That is so interesting because I have entire folders in my notes, <laughs> but none of them are for writing. Like, <laughs> like there is, I, I literally, I, I put my to-do list in there. I'm like, okay, I have to look at this. Uh, I, I have to edit this. I have to do this. It's just I have all the things on there except for the creative things. Um, so right now for me, it definitely is. I have several manuscripts that I've been working on for a couple of years now, um, and 
I just, I throw them all together and I have to basically be like, I haven't looked at a thing. Part of my process is getting as much out of myself as I can and then taking a good long break from it. Like just not looking at it, not going to it. I know there are a lot of people who do the writing every day. I am not one of those people. I will literally not look at the things that I'm working on for weeks at a time, possibly months. Um, And then one day I will wake up and go, oh, you know what I need to do today? I need to go and look at that thing and I'll work on it for seven hours and then it'll be closer to what I was looking for. I think I just need some space from it. Um, and so right now that space from a collection of essays that I'm working on, um, it's a, it's a memoir in essays. Um, and it's going to be obviously my first nonfiction. Um, I also have two collections of poetry that I'm working on, um, both going in very different directions. Um, one of them is apparently earth and Human humanity is in a BDSM relationship and that's just not great, aka climate change. It's just not <laughs> there's that, that and then <laughs> and, and then there's also like uh, you know the me talking about my experience with working with primarily people from the Latinx community um and advocacy when it comes to shutting down detention centers. Yeah. And so talking about what it means to be identified as a previously incarcerated or detained person and how are we actively working against the system um there's one thing where you have all these professionals these lawyers and you know these people who go to college and get these degrees who want to help and they are great advocates but it's very hard to find advocates who are people who have actually been put in chains or actually been put inside of a box or actually been put inside of a cage And I have met so many of those people who have been put inside of a cage who are now risking their lives yet again to go and help other people get out of those cages. And so I want to talk about their experiences specifically. Um, And of course, using my own experience as an entrance into that um, of what it means to be like, I'm the only one who went to jail. Everyone else here is someone who tried to migrate to the U.S. who was put inside of a box or I'm the only black uh, queer femme in here and everyone else identifies um, as Latinx. Um, I identify as black uh, Latinx, but I am not of the same background as them. And so there's a language barrier. And what does it mean for me to be the one who has to get all the interpretation in the room? Everybody else knows what's going on. I'm the one who needs to learn another language, right? Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a, that's a whole thing. And then of course, you know, I'm gonna write a vampire novel who doesn't? Um, so go. everyone, <laughs> hey, oh, and I want to read your vampire right, novel. So, you know, we, uh... I'm ready. <laughs> Me too. It's been sitting there forever. It's only got two chapters. And I was like, I'm going to get to you. I promise. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's whispering. I can hear it. It is. Yes. Now, now I want to read it so badly. On the other side of that, there's also this, um, the audio for you Mm -hmm. um what's different about your preparation for writing what uh what may just be page and stage even versus writing for an audio that you know how what is your you know what is the difference because it feels like your written work and your audio work are vastly different 
Um, so what is your process behind that? Um, so I think it has a lot to do with accessibility. I recognize that anyone who is listening to a spoken word album is coming to it with a sense of, I need to be entertained, right? They're probably going to listen to it while they're working out or while they're driving or while they're doing something else that's going to take away their attention. And so the message needs to be clear and concise. It needs to be very direct. Um, it needs to be something that will be emotionally uh, engaging within a short period of time because this is an album. And, you know, so yes, this is meant to be listened to while it, other things are happening. Um, that's going to be different than an audiobook for me. An audiobook um, is going, that audience who would listen to an audiobook is, is a bit different than the audience who would listen to a spoken word album. And the book that I'm writing, the things that I put onto the page that I expect people to read, to sit down and read, I know they have dedicated the time and the space to pay attention to the nuances in the work. And so um, for me, it's not hard to switch back and forth because I go, I know that the people who are going to read this are going to sit down and they're going to ask questions about why did I put that there? Why did I use this word? And this is going to be the thing they're focused on for, for however many minutes it takes for them to read this thing as opposed to um, the spoken word album, like I said, which I listen to literally while I do anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and I was listening to uh, 1619 on the way here. Um, and, you know, for me, that's a meditative task and that's because it's a long drive. I can't listen to 1619 on the way to the grocery store. You, had a, you said it's you not... had eight hours, uh, you drove eight hours. It's an 18 hour audio book, I know this. It's an 18 hour audio book. So you, you got through half of that. Yeah, and so like I can listen to it while I'm driving on the middle of this dark road. You know, it's a meditative task. I have plenty of time to focus on what's, what's being said. But if I'm trying to go to the corner store or gonna go pick up a friend or like, you know, I need to drive, I don't know where, where else I'm driving, but like short distances don't, don't feed well into that audiobook. Um, there are some audiobooks that can, that can do that, but this is, you know, most of the books I'm planning on reading that are audiobooks don't do that. They're only for large trips. Holy yeah, I'm going to be in the tub for two hours. I'm not, I'm yeah. not moving. I'm meditating. I'm trying to relax. I'm not going to do anything else. Right. And so, um, understanding the audience for the work and understanding, you know, what people are most likely to listen to. I'm a new member of the recording Academy, which is mm -hmm. great because I get to advocate for spoken word artists. Um, but the spoken word category is very much audiobook heavy and very much episode heavy. And um, right now there's a, there's a goal uh, that we have for it to be more focused on the spoken word poets who have put the time and the years into performance and into the entertainment of that, um, which is slightly different than the audiobook. Again, I think audiobook should have its own category. I think there should definitely be a Grammy for it. It just needs to be its own thing because it's a, a lot different than what's happening here with, with the performance. So. I agree. So have you, uh, well, I think you just named some pitfalls that you have <laughs> run into um, in dealing with um, the, your process um, and your journey. So, and how you've handled them. So what do you, 
most excited about? Oh, it means you get to skip a question and talk about just the good things. Yeah, well, you've already we've already we already nailed it. We're our next question is all about pitfalls and things going wrong, but we got you definitely hit that. So what? What Yes. What are you excited about right now in the world of literature? Like what? um, What what tickles you? Like what what's making you dance? in the world of literature around you. What you? Page and audio. Yeah. Well, so that's funny that you said that because I was thinking about what's happening in the business, right? Which does um, directly affect what stories are being told. I think that, and this is, I haven't had a chance to really talk to too many writers about it. I just got here for the uh, Sierra Nevada University MFA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm teaching for the first time. Yay, adjunct. I'm yes. adjunct. Uh, thank you. Um, tomorrow's my first class, so I'm <laughs> excited about that. But um, the class I'm teaching is called Money Trees. And it's called Money Trees because I think that there is a disconnect between um, what new and emerging writers are wanting to do um, and having the access and information to how to get it done, right? There's this is um, right now for poets historically, there has been one route to publishing the contest. That is it. If you want to publish, you got to submit to a contest. That's it. (laughs) Unless you got a friend who will like sneak in somewhere. (laughs) That's how you get published is through a contest um, or self-publishing, which we know is not uh, widely accepted yet. Right. There's this idea that, um, we have to have certain people who can say yes or no to the work uh, as opposed to just judging the work on its call. You know, does it, is it a great piece of work? Um, anyways, that's my own personal opinion on that part. Um, so there's the, the idea that you have to do the contest to get published as a poet. That is changing. That is something that's very important for a lot of folks to know. Thanks to Rupi Kaur, AKA the Instagram poet who self-published and made millions off of self-published poems. Thanks to Amanda Gorman, uh, who's, um, who's, who, whose inaugural poem uh, went global in terms of uh, not just it's, it being read, but like the energy that came with it. And the fact that this is a spoken word artist um, who then published right? There's a specific um, group that I can say this because I've been around since 2003. So I was a part of the spoken word community when we were not considered professional or real writers. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you guys know, but I remember that time Uh period. Yet now we have a slew of published writers who all began in spoken word, Dinesh Smith, Franny Choi, um, Don Me, not Don Me. Um, my brain is, is not 100% with me here. There is a slew of poets who have, oh, Saeed Jones, um, even Ernie Klein. Ernie Klein, author of Ready Player One, was a spoken word artist in uh, Austin, Texas. We used to slam together at the Austin Poetry I Slam. I had not know that at all. That's amazing. Yes. In the beginning of time, Ernie Klein came to the open mic every week and beat me. <laughs> $25 in a prize. Um, 
And so you have to, you have to know that the trajectory of publishing and what makes a marketable author is changing. Um, there's this need to be accessible via social media and to be a maven at that. Um, that is now considered a part of the platform when you're selling a book. And the people who are really great at that happen to be people who have experience with spoken word. And that's why we're seeing like this big jump in that. I say all of that to say that poets are getting agents. And that is a big thing. That is a very big thing. I don't think it's really ever happened before in the history of the <laughs> literary community where you could publish a debut poetry collection through a major publisher. 